The Toho gang gets the team together to cover a milestone episode with a milestone Japanese film. Can these warriors defend the small farming village? Can they record a podcast and reflect on their journey along the way? It's episode 50, Seven Samurai. Hello and welcome to Tohoyaro, a Japanese film club podcast. I am your host for this episode, Alex, and with me as always are my co-hosts, Joey. Hello. And V. Hi. Hi, hello. Um, this is a rather special episode. It's our 50th episode, um, and we'll just kick right, things right off mm, uh, by yeah. saying that um, this episode uh, we are covering... Uh, Akira Kurosawa's uh, Jiragiki classic from 1954, Seven Samurai. And um, as far as... Uh, this doing this movie goes. I think we decided early on that fifty episodes, like this, would be our fiftieth episode. Right? At yeah, the very least, think, within the first ten episodes, we decided that. Yeah, yeah. I think we'd we'd sort of covered a lot of big classics very early on, uh, but um, I think we decided to save this one for something special. Yeah. <clears throat> um. Well. Uh, Let's uh, get right into it. Uh, do y'all have any previous encounters, history with this particular film? <laughs> uh, yeah, I've seen it a couple times. I mentioned this last episode, and re-listening back to it, I think it might not have been completely clear. I said I'd never listened, I'd never uh, seen this movie all the way through. That's not true. I'd seen it till the end, but I've never seen it in one go. I always lo- like would watch it and then take a break, possibly even like for a day, and then come back to it uh, significantly later. Um, I remember checking it out, uh, I think from the library, uh, when I was in high school and it was like two big VHS brick tapes and being pretty intimidated by it. And I think just like watching one tape and then taking a break and then watching another or something like that. And then watching it, uh, years later, uh, when it was available digitally and and watching it that way, but then still (laughs) being kind of worn out by it and, and taking a break at some point. And so my big challenge to myself this time was to, you know, uh, just watch it all the way through, um, uh, which I did and it was very long, but good. Great. Maybe. Uh, yeah, I've seen this a couple of times before. Uh, I, no, I like this film a lot before we did the, the episode, but um, this is the first time I've watched it since we've started doing this podcast and knowing a lot more of the like actors in it, having a deeper catalog of being able to recognize uh, those people and the things they're from made mm-hmm. it a very interesting rewatch and having a lot more context behind like Japanese film the time going into it made it a lot of fun yeah um boy you you hit the nail on the head right there uh i would say that like this is a murderer's row of um toho yaro alumni uh (laughs) i mean it it probably helps that we've covered 50 films up to this point um Mm -hmm. but the point i'm trying to make here is that it's real who's who of of actors in this um who have gone on uh to have ridiculous careers uh, as actors 
Uh, yeah, I had seen this for the first time when I was in college. Uh, a friend of mine uh, brought us over and he's like, hey, we're going to watch Seven Samurai tonight. Like, we're going to make a night of it. We're going to watch the whole thing. And um, when we got to the intermission, um, my girlfriend at the time wanted to leave. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I, I had not seen the second part of it until years later. <laughs> uh, and then uh, I think that's when I watched it all in one go. Um, and I think I had seen this movie that, yeah, I think and maybe I've seen this movie once or twice, uh, all the way through until this, uh, you know, having to watch it for, for the podcast. And, uh, apart from the fact that I knew that I liked it and that it was a very well-made film and, you know, this is the film that basically put, uh, Kurosawa on the map in the United States at the very least. Um, I didn't know how important the movie was, um, and uh, I took a lot of notes uh, after watching the uh, uh, some supplemental materials that are included with the Criterion Blu-ray. Uh, if, if, if you have the Criterion channel, those are available there as well, and I believe um, I haven't checked on HBO Max yet, but the movie is on there. I don't know if the supplements are. Uh, either way, um, I'll, I'll be getting into that a little later. Um, there's a lot of really cool uh, cultural and film history, uh, really deep ingrained within this movie. It's it's mm. really interesting, and uh, it it really opened. It not only uh, made me appreciate the movie a whole lot more, but it made me want to rewatch the movie again after re after watching it, <laughs> which is a, a Heraclean task considering right. it's 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 a very long movie. Um, uh, so you, uh, we've talked about Kurosawa before on this podcast uh, for new listeners. Um, uh, sorry. <laughs> um, basically, uh, Akira Kurosawa, um, Japanese film director and screenwriter, uh, his career spanned, uh, almost 60 years and 30 films. Uh, if you don't know who Akira Kurosawa is, read a book. Um, <laughs> no, I'm, that's, that's mean. Um, but he's, he's easily one of the most prolific, uh, film directors in, in film history uh, and his works uh, influenced a whole lot of people including you know obviously George Lucas um, mm -hmm. uh, Sergio Leone uh, you know to, to name to name a few big names and um, uh, he really uh, he was yeah incredibly influential within the culture and uh, within the, the world of film uh, so uh, he wrote, directed, and edited this movie, which is absolutely insane. Uh, that's that's an insane task, especially a movie of this caliber. Uh, the movie, uh, like I mentioned before, has a murderer's row of, uh, of, of, of Japanese actors. And we will start with, uh, with, with uh, I would say, arguably the main character of this movie, uh, the character of uh, Kanbei Shimura, who of course is played by uh, Takashi Shimura, um, mm -hmm. uh, a an actor who shows up in so many movies that we gave him his own uh, <laughs> category uh, on this podcast. Um, obviously, uh, you know we we've covered Shimura before, but this is for the benefit of new listeners because uh, this is a pretty milestone podcast. Um, God, he's been a and just a. A ridiculous amount of Kurosawa's films, including Ikiru, Stray Dog, uh, Kagemusha, uh, Sanshiro Sugata, um, like Drunken Angel, the list goes on, Rashomon, mm -hmm. um, and 
he appears in, uh, I would say, like at least a fourth of the films that we cover on this podcast, uh, just by virtue of 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 being the man. Um, <laughs> yeah, and always like standing out in a scene. That's why we, uh, yeah, created a segment where we hand out the Takashi Shimura Award because we just kept finding ourselves being like, man, this guy's <laughs> even if he has a small role in a movie, he's very like. Uh, you're drawn to him. Yeah, it's it, it. It also helps that he has a very distinct face. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's pretty great. Um, I, I love Takashi Shimura. Uh, and um, and uh, speaking of the man, uh, the uh, I would say the second build character or the second build actor would be um, the uh, character of Kikuchio, uh, aka Toshiro Mifune. Um, mm. The quintessential samurai actor, just by virtue of starring in Kurosawa's uh, Yojimbo, Sanjiro, Throne of Blood, uh, he's in Rashomon. Um, he is Miyamoto Musashi in uh, Hiroshi Inagaki's Samurai Trilogy. Um, uh, we've He's been in so many movies that we've covered as well. Um, in, if you don't know Toshiro Mifune, yeah, please get to know him. He's, 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 I'd say that this is, this role in particular, uh, is a really distinctive role for him. Um, yeah, you know, like going back to talking about our first experiences with this movie, I remember, I think, knowing him by reputation and maybe having seen the Samurai trilogy or Yojimbo or something before seeing Seven Samurai. And I remember him being very kind of surprised and, and, kind of confused by his performance at first because he's this kind of like wild man like this you know wild animal of a character instead of this very like cool uh you know powerful stoic samurai guy that you might expect yeah he gets uh here in the u.s he gets referred to as like the john wayne of samurai movies a lot and this Mm -hmm. is as far from a john wayne like like badass drifter performance as you could possibly get. He is just out here laughing and screaming like a crazy man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a little fun fact about uh, about Mifune in this movie is that um, he was originally supposed to play Kyuzo um, and the movie was supposed to be called Six Samurai. Uh, but Mifune thought, th- or I'm sorry, uh, Kurosawa thought that uh, that, you know, this this film about seven or six straight laced samurai isn't going to be uh, isn't going to be exciting enough. So he added the character of Kikuchio and gave uh, Mifune agency to basically improvise um, and go nuts. Wow. Uh, which I think is it really brings uh, a lot of humanity to this character too. Yeah, definitely. Alright, uh, Isao Kimura as Katsushiro Okamoto. Uh, this is one of the only characters in this movie who's not a uh, Tohoyaro alum. Um, but his career did span about 40 years. He appeared in other Kurosawa flicks uh, like Ikiro and, and Throne of Blood. Um, but uh, not as well known as some of the other people on this list, uh, mm-hmm. such as Daisuke Kato, who plays Shichiroji. Um, big time Tohoyaro alum appeared in a ridiculous amount of films uh especially ones that we did autumn afternoon ikiru uh the samurai trilogy as well as films like uh humanity and paper balloons um rashomon yojimbo and uh the end of summer so uh he's got his mm-hmm. fill Love this um, guy. yeah uh he's super good 
Um, very distinctive look to, to him as well. Um, Minoru Chiaki as Hihachi, uh, Hayashi Hayashida, uh, another Toho-era alum. Uh, he was in Hidden Fortress alongside uh, Katamari Fujiwara, who plays Manzo in this movie, um, which is, I think, his, his main claim to fame. Uh, mm. They play the uh, R2-D2 and C-3PO uh, figures. <laughs> Uh, Seiji Miyaguchi as Kyuzo, another Toho Yara alum, uh, of course, uh, appeared in Ikiru, Kwaidan, and um, he's in two separate Torasans that we haven't covered. Hmm. Um, in this, yeah, to you know, dealers. it's interesting to hear that this was originally going to be Mifune's part because this guy is perfect, like, he was so good in, in yeah. this role. Yeah, really, like, speaking of quintessential samurai, this guy, like, um. According to supplemental material, like this is like he is supposed to be the model samurai. Like he is based uh, directly off of the uh, the character of of Miyamoto Musashi. So he's he's got that you know the the stoicness, the the skill, mm -hmm. um, the honor, yeah, all that. Uh, Bushido code. Um, Yoshio Inaba as Gorobe Katayama. Um, so he's not really, he's not a Toho Yara alum, but I, I, he, he will be, I think. Um, he started in a lot of movies that we've talked about covering, like Stray Cat Rock, Throne of Blood, um, the second uh, Miyamoto Musashi movie, um, and uh, Harakiri. Mm. And uh, that's that does it for the the main samurai. But then we have like even more <laughs> even more actors in this movie that that we've seen before. Um, uh, a, a Toho Yara alum, uh, Yoshio Tsuchiya, uh, plays Rikichi, um, one of, one of the farmers. Uh, I had to, I had to write this down because he is in, uh, Invasion of the Astro Monster as the leader from Planet X. Oh, uh, that dude yeah. is great. <laughs> Didn't recognize him without his Devo visor, but. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, he's in Redbeard. Um, a little interesting fact, uh. And we will actually touch on this a little bit later, but uh, Seven Samurai is filmed during the same time as Godzilla at Toho Studios, and mm. uh, Tsuchiya would frequently leave the set of Seven Samurai to see Godzilla being filmed. Um, mm. He says in an interview, uh, "Because I was doing Seven Samurai, I couldn't appear in the first Godzilla. That's why I insisted they put me in the sequel. So he is in uh, Godzilla Rides again." Interesting. Shimura managed to swing it, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, that guy's. Pretty tenacious. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Keiko Tsushima as Shino, uh, the, I would say the main love interest in the movie. Um, films of note that she has done, uh, uh, Flavor of Green Tea Over Rice, an Ozu picture. Um, and, uh, and she is a Torasan Madonna in one of uh, the Torasan films yeah. as well. Um, the, the funny, uh, a little fun fact about the Flavor of Green Tea Over Rice. Um, so initially, uh, Kurosawa, um, said in an interview, Japanese films all tend to be rather bland in flavor, like green tea over rice. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, it, and he said that purposefully, uh, making a dig at, at, at Ozu. Um, uh, so I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> um, in, in regards to Seven Samurai, he says, I think we ought to have richer foods and richer films. So I thought I would make this kind of film entertaining enough to eat. Uh, so yeah this nice. film was also kind of a dig uh or at least you know a, a jokingly <laughs> yeah. a joking rib um i meant i mentioned katamari fujiwara already um so uh some other people in this movie that i'm just going to go through really quick um uh, Bok uh bokuzen hidari plays yohei 
uh, the farmer. He's been in a whole bunch of movies we've covered. Mm -hmm. uh, these are really interesting. Um, Eijiro Tono, um, Ozu's main man, uh, mm -hmm. ap appears in this movie as, as a thief. Um, I didn't even catch that. I, I didn't catch him either, which is crazy. Mm. Um, there's a lot of people in this movie and, and, presents <laughs> and stuff. Um, uh, Haruyo Nakajima uh, is in this movie. Um, he is uh, one of the scouts killed by Kyuzo. Uh, this man is Godzilla. Um, oh, he, right. Yeah, he's literally, like, what does that name sound familiar? <laughs> yeah, he is literally Godzilla. So uh, I think he, he was playing double duty uh, on in Toho Studios uh, during this time as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, um, and the, and the last one I'm going to, uh, to note, um, as a walk on uncredited role, uh, Tatsuya, uh, Nakadai, um, who, uh, has been in, uh, a few movies that we've talked about covering. He's in Kwaidan, um, uh, yet another prolific Japanese actor who just has a weird walk on role in this movie. Uh, Still alive, by the way. One of the only actors in this movie who is still alive. Mm. So um, yeah, he's great. Um, yeah, I didn't catch him either. Uh, boy, so many yeah. people. <laughs> yeah, there's. It's it's like I said, murderers row. Um, so uh, I'll quickly. I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna go through the synopsis as quickly as I can, considering it's a very long movie with an intermission. Um, so I'm probably gonna skip over some, uh, you know, some moments. But obviously, we have plenty of agency to talk about that, that sure. uh, the movie as, as I go. Uh, so uh, a village is tipped off um, that uh, they will be raided by uh, bandits following the harvest. So uh, they opt to find some samurai to protect the village. Uh, they, since they have no money and can only offer food, uh, the elder instructs them to find samurai who are hungry. I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, the scouts come across uh, Kanbei, who is a ronin, uh, disguising himself as a monk to save a child. Uh, he's recruited by the villagers, takes on a young gun disciple by the name of Katsushiro. Uh, Kanbei goes on to recruit others, Gorobe, the easygoing archer, uh, the jovial and bald, not by choice, Shichiroji, uh, <laughs> who is also Kanbei's old war buddy and uh, uses a spear. Uh, the unskilled woodcutter Ronin Haihachi, who is basically the comic relief of the group, and Kyuzo, the taciturn and collected uh, skilled swordsman. Uh, arguably the most skilled swordsman out of the bunch. Mm -hmm. uh, Katsu is eventually inducted into the group officially. Um, and all the while, uh, they are followed puppy dog style by Kikuchio, a wild dude who through forgery claims to be a samurai, but um, uh, is really a, a farmer who um, wants to join the fight. Mm -hmm. Ultimately. Um, uh, when the samurai arrive at the village, uh, they slowly develop a report with the villagers. Uh, as they train uh, Shino, who is Monzo, a farmer, uh, his daughter, who is disguised as a man at the behest of her father, worried that she'll be deflowered by samurai, uh, develops a secret tryst with Katsushiro. Um, and the rest of the film from this point focuses on the many battles. Uh, there's about three or four battles between the bandits and the samurai. Uh, many lose their lives in the process. Um, Haihachi is killed, uh, saving one of the villagers, Rikichi, from... Um, uh, the uh, burning bandit HQ uh, after he goes after his wife um, who had been captured by the bandits. Um, there's a point in the movie where uh, Kikuchio uh, fo following a uh, following Kyuzo uh, who had stolen one of the three muskets from the bandits. Um, he wanted the glory of, of that as well so uh, he disguises himself as a bandit and his 
foolhardiness um, from leaving his post leads to Gorabe's death mm -hmm. uh, as he is overwhelmed by bandits. Um, so before the final battle even starts, uh, we are down to samurai of the seven. Uh, on the eve of the final battle, Shino and Katsushira are found out. Uh, Monzo is outraged, um, and Shino is ultimately humiliated. And um, uh, Kuzo is fatally shot towards the end of the final battle by the bandit leader. And Kikuchio, who exacts his revenge on the bandit leader, is killed in the process. Uh, the peasants celebrate their victory, but the samurai do not. Um, and uh, that's basically the movie. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty much the movie. Um, but now we can really, really dig deep and talk about it. Um, Joey, what'd you think of Seven Samurai? <laughs> I liked it. It was good. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, at first when I uh, was thinking, uh, watching this movie and kind of like reflecting on what I was going to say about the podcast, I was having a hard time really deciding what to say about it other than like, yeah, that was great. Um, but I have a few kind of stray thoughts. Like I... This movie is kind of split into thirds, the sort of like beginning part where they're gathering the team, yeah. the like training part, and then the battles. And it may just be um, somewhat of a side effect of the of just sort of like being worn out from such a long movie. Um, but my first or my favorite part is that first part, just because it's really like fun to kind of like get a team together, you know? Yeah. Um, and you get to meet everybody and see how they interact and stuff. And those interactions are really like what I love about this movie. All the, the cast of characters are very distinct from one another, especially the, the samurai. Um, and they all fit together very well, uh, even though they have these contrasts, which I think is really cool. Um, and just some other kind of random notes. I, I, I liked uh, the score was interesting. It, it like often gets into this kind of 2001 A Space Odyssey <laughs> uh like mode where it's this kind of choral cacophony <laughs> um and that was really cool sounding and um and i also loved like looking at all the sets and environments and stuff like the village was really cool um and i really love uh during all the romantic scenes uh those like fields of flowers where there's just like a million <laughs> little flowers it's like so striking um that uh -huh. i uh Oh, go ahead. A funny thing that struck me about that is like they're the developers that make the uh, Dark Souls games uh -huh. seem really obsessed with that kind of imagery. So I was <laughs> like, this big field of, of flowers hmm. just looks like the end boss to Dark Souls or uh, Sekiro. <laughs> uh, man, yeah. And um, yeah, and I, I think... Um, I think that's cool about this movie uh, that I really appreciated on this watch um, is that I, I think I was used to it kind of viewing it from this macro level that you often hear it talked about, which is basically the same way that you had to summarize it, where it was kind of like about getting a team together and them training villagers and then them defeating the bad guys, but some of them die. Um, but there was a lot of really interesting stuff about uh, class and uh, there's sort of this... Um, flip that it does where at first you think the farmers are being kind of unreasonable for how paranoid they are and how uh scared they are of the samurai and kind of like ungrateful but then kind of as it goes on you learn more about uh you know what these farmers lives have gone through and how the samurai have affected them and, and you really see um 
that there's justification for that, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Um, uh, v, what'd you think of Seven Samurai? Uh, I loved it on this rewatch. Uh, I know I kept playing constantly on this podcast about how a lot of the movies we watch are a little too long. And this one is almost three and a half hours. But I think that Kurosawa's sense of pacing is so good that it it is a long movie, but there's no part of this at all that drags or I feel like should have been taken out. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, the the intermission. Uh, this film does have an intermission in the middle. Um, it is a good break point in the narrative. Um, and but like I said, it just even the the slower parts of the movie they they're there they have their purpose and they work. Um, I agree that maybe the the part where they're putting the team together is my favorite part because you get such a good even though there are so many of them, you do get a really good immediate sense of their personalities between all of these mm-hmm. uh, samurai, even if they're ones that don't have their own, like their own, like highlight scene. Um, but uh, I especially love the bit when, when he's uh, when Kizo is, is getting, um, Sorry, mixing up everybody's names. Uh, <laughs> no, Katsushiro okay. to uh, to to test the samurai as they walk in by oh. hiding <laughs> in the corner with a uh, with a branch. Um, that's a good recurring bit that like I, I like that the characters comment on it. And when uh, when Kikuchiro or Kikuchio uh, comes in and just gets bopped on the head immediately, <laughs> <laughs> it has a little bit of that sort of like. <clears throat> I don't know, fantasy element uh, of like this very kind of anime sensing key type thing where the bad, like the yeah. really like tough guys won't even go through the door because they know that somebody's waiting there with the intent to strike or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I thought that was amusing. Um, but yeah, there, there's just so much going on in this movie. So many great performances and like, it's just, it's reputation is so well-deserved and, mm-hmm. uh, even though it is this like big action movie, like you said, uh, all of Kurosawa's trademark, like anti authority, anti establishment attitudes are on full display. Um, and like all the, the class consciousness uh, is going on, mm-hmm. which like makes uh, Kikuchio uh, really interesting as a late addition because he's kind of the mouthpiece for like, bridging the two worlds between mm-hmm. samurai and farmer in the, in this case. And, oh, yeah. and the fact that he has experienced like a little bit of both sides of this and kind of talks about it is interesting for him to have be such a late comer to the concept of the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's interesting. Uh, you bring that up. It's, it's sort of hard to imagine the film without him. Uh, right. Like it's, it's, yeah. it, it would be a little, a little more boring. And, and I do wonder when those bits of commentary would come out, like who would say them, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe something would happen to Katsushiro or something, but, uh, yeah. Um, 
I really liked it on this on this uh, on this rewatch. Uh, really, really enjoyed it. I, I didn't. Um, unfortunately, I didn't do what Joey did and watch it all in one sitting. I definitely, uh, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I definitely had to take a break. Um, but uh, but yeah, the, the film is structured in that in that interesting you know thirds way. And and like the two of you, I also um, really enjoy the getting the gang together part of the movie the most, um, just because that's. Those are the types of movies I love the most. Yeah. Like like uh, getting the gang back together or getting the gang to go forward. Like out of all the Lord of the Rings movies, I, I by far I enjoy the first one the most. Like mm-hmm. it it's I don't know, it's something about uh it's not just collecting the, these uh this group of people, but it's seeing one by one. It's sort of like a character focus uh, mm-hmm. every single time that you meet one. Um, and I do think that it, it, the movie would be longer by, you know, if, if, if you had to focus on every single one and give, you know, give, uh, you know, give focus to every single, um, samurai. But I do think that, um, it's a little unfair because the film sidelines a few of the seven, yeah. uh, for the most part, like Kanbei, like Kanbei, Katsushiro and Kikuchio have the most to do, um, mm-hmm. with Kizo sort of bringing up the rear. Like we don't even get to see poor Gorobe's death scene. Yeah, it just sort of dies off screen, and um, I really liked him. Uh, but yeah, I, 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 I feel like Heihachi has a decent bit with like him making the flag and everything. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Heihachi's that that bit's really nice. Um, and then he has his little therapy moment uh, where he says, uh, "What does he say?" you know, oh, well, you know, you'll feel much better if you can talk it out, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, like everybody, everybody does show a little, like at least enough to, to, uh, to paint themselves as, as their own particular silhouette. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I didn't like, I didn't fully appreciate this movie honestly until after I, I, I rewatched it and then learned a little bit more about the importance of this movie in, in terms of its, its, uh, place in Japanese culture and, and film history. Um, so just, just for like a little breakdown of that, um, do to do. So uh, I, I think it's, uh, it's not out of, I don't think it's uh, inappropriate to say that this movie reinvigorated samurai films in Japan and, and popularized them in the U S Um, so, uh, basically a little bit of a little bit of history, 1930s, uh, in the 1930s, um, Jidai Geki movies were like really prevalent as a way of social commentary. Um, during that time, militarism in in Japan was basically at its peak. Um, and Gendai Geki, uh, were harder to make, uh, with like that kind of social commentary and poignancy. Um, so you know, Jidageki movies were, were filled with social commentary like that as a way of sort of, um, not subliminally, but you know, like mm-hmm. most movies should have social commentary in them. Um, but that way, you know, it wasn't like super blatant. Um, of course, uh, after the war, uh, the U S occupation happened, uh, and films had to be approved by U S occupation forces and, um, films that had the notion of Bushido, uh, the samurai warriors code, um, were banned due to uh, nationalism. Um, uh, however, post-occupation, flood of G.I. Geki, and this began the golden period of samurai films. 
Um, so the the thing about uh, the thing that's really interesting about samurai films prior to this uh, is that samurai played uh, the same kind of role that they do in history. You know, um, uh, samurai uh, were a group of people that made up about five percent of the Japanese population during the Edo period, and they were loyal to their daimyo um, and. Uh, of course, if you were loyal, uh, if you didn't have, uh, if if you know your leader was disgraced or or killed in battle or whatever, then you are ronin. But mm-hmm. the thing about uh, samurai is that they have, you know, they have their their katana and then they have their wakazashi, and the wakazashi is is more of a symbol and and a t- and a tool for later on. Uh, it it's it's for committing seppuku and uh, letting people know that they're willing to give their lives for their daimyo. The interesting thing about this movie is that all of these samurai don't have a daimyo that they are um, that they are loyal to. They're loyal to these farmers. Yeah. Um, and so right off the bat, like the opening scene with Kanbe tells us how selfless these people are. He is cutting off his top knot um, in order to save this child. Um. Uh, I, this is something that I quoted from the, uh, that I, I pulled a quote from the, uh, from one of the supplements. Um, what is best about being human is selflessness. And that's, and that is the notion that the samurai in these movies are, are trying to, to, mm-hmm. to tell us, um, after the war, um, after Japan's defeat, uh, they were kind of soul searching for a little bit and, uh, effectively afraid to associate themselves with the concept of samurai and wanted to move away with it because it conflicted with democracy. Um, but uh, Kurosawa was basically, uh, well, no, certain qualities are imperative, like responsibility, honor, and self-sacrifice, selflessness. Um, like you can have this concept of Bushido without w- without being, you know, completely loyal to, to your leader. It's all about um, sort of what you do with your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... I think that is like, that's super cool. And, and you'll notice that after, uh, after this movie, the Jiragaki that kind of follow, they kind of follow in these footsteps, uh, uh, not just Jiragaki, but, but Sean Barra films too. Yeah. Right. Um, right. Like I, I'm thinking of course, uh, like Zatoichi and Lone Wolf and Cub that the, the Bushido code of honor is, is mostly about, uh, you know, your, your self-sacrifice more than your loyalty. Mm-hmm. to to your leader right yeah it's it's similar to the western concepts of chivalry and how like the, the obviously that used to also be about you know loyalty to your lord and and serving the the person that gives you your horse and your land but modern day thoughts about chivalry are about like not service to to a a royal, but service to like the people around you and the greater good. And there's this film, um, is largely responsible for that. And I think that's, that's a big thing of, of Kurosawa. The idea that like these hierarchies are messed up, but it's helping each other is the more important thing that one's out here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. I, I, it's, cool to have this in context because um it's it's interesting to me to learn that this changed the way that jidaigeki 
kind of operated because I haven't seen a lot of movies pre from the early fifties and before. So like that is kind of my whole concept of what these historical films and action films uh, from Japan were, especially the kind of older ones are exact. Like I kind of just would have thought that seven samurai just fits the mold of what they all were uh, rather than it kind of like set that tone. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy. I did like, I, the, this is, this is the kind of thing I didn't think about while watching it the first time at mm-hmm. all. Um, I think take because of, account, yeah. because of how big Kurosawa is in the West, he's considered like a, a monolith of Japanese filmmaking and in ways he is, but like when he was, was making his earlier films, like he was radically different than everybody else at the time Mm -hmm. and and i think that's something we don't really get a sense of over here because like his name is so synonymous with japanese film that we think he's representative when he's uh, especially earlier in the in his career he's super not yeah right yeah it's 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 pretty interesting in that way uh regarding this movie um i i pulled another quote from um, Japanese film critic Tadao Sato uh, in regards to this movie. Men who are free make better heroes. Um, which is interesting when you think about the samurai that are depicted earlier who are, you know, oh yeah, these are the samurai that are loyal to their to their daimyo versus uh, in this movie, like, or, or any movie but Ronin, 47 mm-hmm. Ronin even. Like, 47 Ronin is, is like, is, uh, it's basically told it's told as many times as king arthur like it's it's been adapted so many different times in japanese culture because it's it's still like you know it it, it's such a good story about these 47 displaced ronin and they all kind of interact with each other and have their have uh they're not faceless you know Mm -hmm. and i know that kurosawa wanted to uh have a samurai movie with with uh characters who would interact with each other and and have humanity to them so I think that's like a, a when when I when I when all of this was put into perspective, I just wanted to watch the movie all over again. <laughs> oh, uh, so regarding social commentary, uh, Jidai Geki, um, there is a filmmaker um, who was Kurosawa's, uh, I would say, predecessor in in this regard. Like you know, Kurosawa didn't do this on his own. Sadao Yamanaka, uh, his predecessor was Sadao Yamanaka. Um, who was a contemporary uh, director of uh, Yasushio Ozu, Mikio Naruse, uh, Kenji Mizuguchi, um, and uh, and and he basically helped develop uh, period like uh, period commentary, um, humanity and paper balloons. Uh, we mentioned this earlier uh, when I was going through the cast, but humanity and paper balloons uh, was uh, Yamanaka's last film and uh, particularly uh, poignant. Uh, regards to social commentary and and and, and the, you could say that this movie sort of is the precursor to Seven Samurai in that it's it's uh, pretty it goes pretty hard on social commentary and it, it, it it's about samurai and during the Edo yeah. period so uh, that's that's a movie that I do want to ex- uh, explore at some point. Yeah, on this he podcast. directed uh, the Sazen Tange and the uh, and the Pot Worth of Million Ryo. Um, which is a 1935 movie that I think is probably the oldest Japanese movie I've seen. And that one's really great. Um, yeah, you're always posting screenshots of that and it looks really good. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, cool. Yeah. Um, so uh, I think that does it for the for the history lesson. Um, uh, some fun facts about this movie. Fun facts. Uh, I mean, if uh, this isn't a fun fact, but it's just a fact fact. Uh, when this was released in the U.S., uh, it was uh, significantly cut down in terms of length. Um, I, I uh, don't know how long it was. It was like two and a half hours or something, or maybe less mm. than that. But I haven't seen the original uh, U.S. cut of this, because um, obviously it's long, and they want U.S. audiences to be captivated. Mm-hmm. Um, this film was wrote. Uh, it was written um, by Kurosawa and uh, several others in an inn in, or a ryokan in Atami, and took forty-five days to complete. Uh, production of the movie went super over budget. And um, <laughs> as I mentioned earlier, it filmed alongside Godzilla at Toho. Uh, and the studio thought that, that like, it, they were, like, really worried that this these two films would bankrupt them. Um, just because they're both films of this kind of scale. Well, obviously, you know, we've seen Godzilla. We, it was the first episode we covered. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, Seven Samurai had to be shut down four times during production because of, uh, because of all of this. Um, so filming was obviously prolonged a little bit. Uh, the final battle of the movie was supposed to be filmed at the end of summer, but instead was shot in February. And um, it was very cold and sucked for everybody involved. Uh, a thing that um, was sort of rare at the time uh, was the use of telephoto lens. And uh, Kurosawa got to use telephoto lens for this film. And uh, you can it's very evident in the final battle when he's like zooming in on like the horse's hooves and stuff. Mm. Um and really gives a, a cool sense of claustrophobia while while watching the final battle. Um, uh, another thing that I, I ought to mention is that uh, Kurosawa, as a filmmaker, was influenced by uh, Western director John Ford, uh, which is really great because then uh, Kurosawa went on to uh, influence uh, directors like Sergio Leone. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so it sort of the western uh slash samurai uh connection comes back full circle i uh i I do love that um all right let's talk about our favorite parts of the movie um let's uh let's start with you v there are so many good things in this movie that i uh we've already talked about one of my favorites which is when uh when we're getting everybody together um but I think another pretty pretty fun scene that I liked a lot is when uh, when all the samurai are like rallying their villagers, and we uh, we get everybody trying to like be louder than everybody else. It's just mm. a fun kind of feel good moment uh, uh, later in the film that gives a lot of personality to the characters, but also is like fun in that they're rallying them but it's like depressing and that things you know things are not going to uh to stay fun and happy for very long yeah um uh another thing that i really like uh, about the film not a specific scene is the way that uh kambe as the leader really does come off as like this tactical genius <clears throat> which I find is something that media has a tough time selling a lot of the time, but yeah. the way he, he plans and strategizes this entire thing and just like 
is keeping track of everything the way that he plans and puts it all together and, and knows exactly what to expect just really sells him as being just so competent and and clever uh, in a way that I really appreciate. Yeah, you know, samurai uh, are often depicted like the sort of dramatic stories involving samurai. They're usually like ronin and they're on their own. And so you're often kind of just seeing them as these kind of like lone wolf characters who are very good at sword play and maybe clever in a battle or something. But like this really like highlights the fact that they were military leaders and had to like, you know, <laughs> strategize uh, whole big battles and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about you, Joey? Uh, I really loved uh, Mifune's like impassioned speech to the other samurai about why the farmers were afraid of them and where he kind of reveals that he was a farmer and he talks about, um, um, you know, how, like I was talking about the, the stuff about the class struggles really, uh, yeah, like really the class struggles and, and differences like really stood out to me as an interesting thing in this movie. And so it was like a very great, uh, moment and Mifune's performance in that is really great. He's, he's laying it on the, the sort of angry wild man thing, but then it starts getting very, uh, emotionally charged and he's you can see how like upset it makes him and then it's it's that whole scene is then capped at the very end with the sort of like <laughs> perfect uh end to that is is that shot of Takashi Shimura looking uh off with the sort of tears in his eyes and you can really see how much um what Mifune has said has like sunk into him and mm-hmm. uh I think that's very that's very powerful and and uh, definitely the scene that stands out the most to me uh let's see so um i really love the scene where akuzo is recruited um mm-hmm. this is like a true chanbara scene um where uh he tells the guy who challenges him um you shouldn't do that because if you do you're gonna die uh and i mean he does like <laughs> he warned him <laughs> like like he's he is akuzo is the true chanbara hero of this movie like yeah definitely if if you're like, if you're looking for a Chanbara movie, this movie's not really it, but mm-hmm. it has, it, it's got some bits sprinkled in there. Um, the final battle is also really amazing. Uh, yeah. Kurosawa's shots are so intentional regarding movement. Uh, so it's really easy to follow. Um, if you watch, uh, the Akira Kurosawa episode on YouTube of every frame of painting, um, mm-hmm. you will, you'll learn all about this. Uh, I, I recommend it to anybody who's listening. It's, it's such a great series. Uh, it's not active anymore, but it's, it's a really great, um, really great companion, uh, for, for movies that, uh, for the movies that, um, are covered on, on the series. But, uh, so each shot has a narrative beginning, middle and an end, uh, and the camera follows the action, uh, uh, from, from that point. Uh, not, so the, Beginning, middle, and end doesn't just, you know, it's not just an action. It's, it's everything. Um, every single shot that Kurosawa has, uh, when the camera moves, uh, it's, it's very intentional. Um, and, and the crazy thing about the battle is that the camera, thanks to the telephoto lens, uh, it follows the action all the way over to another action set piece and follows that one and follows another. Like you see, uh, you see, uh, somebody get run through by a sword and then, um, 
somebody is coming in uh, from from that side over to the other side on a horse and the camera follows that. Uh, in modern action movies do this all the time. Um, and seeing something like that from 1954 is kind of amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of tension to it. Um, like it's, it's just a spectacular, spectacular thing to see. And it, knowing that it was shot in February makes it like, makes it all worth it. I think at the end. Um, yeah, that quote from uh, Mifune saying he'd never been that cold in his life. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Pretty crazy. Yeah, he's um, like practically naked a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I do want to shout out another scene in particular, the, the very final scene of the movie where um, where you see the graves, but, you know, the, the peasants mm. are, you know, dancing and, and planting rice and very jubilant. But then you have, you know, Kanbei and uh, Shichiroji and, and Kachishiro and they're pretty downtrodden and Kanbei says uh, it was the peasants who had their victory today, not us. And that's in the movie. And even Katsushiro, like I think his watching his journey throughout the movie is very like, he's the one who changes the most, you know, he's, he's the youngest, he's the most bright eyed and bushy tailed at the beginning. He's like, I want to become a samurai. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then uh, over the course of the movie, he, you know, develops this love uh, interest. um, But, they both become humiliated. Um, within 24 hours, he quote unquote becomes a man um, by uh, by losing losing his virginity um, by killing somebody for the first time, and you know, and then watching and watching several of his comrades die, including Kuzo, who he um, uh, who in a, a previous scene in the movie, which I think is really nice, he tells him how much he admires him as mm-hmm. yeah, as a person and 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 it, going back to that scene really quick that's almost the thesis of what kurosawa is trying to portray with these samurai yeah. saying that like you are you are a really wonderful person you know you are you are selfless and that's yeah that's that's essentially like that's essentially the thesis of this movie yeah or right like it's yeah, uh, my my favorite parts, I guess, were were sort of uh, all over the place there. But um. <laughs> that last shot um, with the graves is was really interesting to me because yeah, Kurosawa is such a dynamic director. You don't get a lot of like static shots. Uh, cameras always kind of moving and stuff, and and you don't get a lot of shots of the seven samurai characters together in a sort of like well composed here they all are uh, type shot. Uh, but you do at the end there where there's the you know, three in front and that are alive and then the four graves Mm -hmm. off in the distance. And, um, and it's just kind of like, here they are (laughs) the seven Mm -hmm. samurai. And, uh, I think that shots super well composed. It's, it's a very like, you know, centered composition and it's very, and it lingers in a really great way. And then once, uh, it gives you a second to look at it, then the, um, women farmers kind of stroll through and break it up a little bit. And in a way that's really, uh, good too. So, uh, next segment is Shall We Dance? Um, this is the, of course, you know, should the, it, well, could this movie be remade for a Western audience? <laughs> and uh, it has been a lot. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, uh, the underhand lob, of course, here is The Magnificent Seven, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, <laughs> which produced several sequels, by the way. I didn't realize that. Uh, goes to show you um, how American studios... Uh, 
go with that yeah. kind of thing. I've never actually seen them, and I don't know the titles, but for stupid reasons, <clears throat> it just popped into my head that the sequel would be titled A Few Seven More. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> That's funny. Uh... I have uh, I've seen the first Magnificent Seven, and by the first I mean like the original with Yul Brenner, mm-hmm. uh, and um, I thought it was extremely boring. I didn't I did not like it uh, mm-hmm. when I saw it. I, perhaps I need to watch it again, but uh, when I saw it, I was I was like, this movie's not nearly as good as Seven Samurai. <laughs> yeah, I haven't actually seen it. I'd, I'd be interested too. Um, I, I didn't grow up with a lot of westerns in my life, so uh, I, didn't, I haven't seen lot of them but i kind of like the mood the general mood of the ones i've seen like Mm -hmm. searchers or whatever the ones that people are always holding up as being really good um but yeah so i've been actually after watching seven samurai i was thinking a lot about uh how i should check out the magnificent seven yeah um other 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 western guns in the navron uh cholet battle beyond the stars which is a sci-fi western Mm. fab movie um and uh, Bugs Life, yeah, Pixar is a Bugs Life, <laughs> is uh, also a loose adaptation of Seven Samurai. Um, and I think even before Magnificent Seven, that was the first movie that I, I realized was a uh, was a take on on the film. Yeah, I remember <laughs> watching that in the theater and feeling very smart. <laughs> but I was like, you know what this is like. And then after a while, I was like, I think this is on purpose. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I, it, there's like. Almost every animated series that runs long enough uses this as the archetype of like an episode or something. Oh yeah. Um, There's that Mandalorian episode too. Yep. Um, I think if you're looking for Kurosawa inspired Westerns, uh, the wild bunch holds up a lot better than the magnificent seven does, which is Mm -hmm. not a direct adaptation, but borrows a lot of the kind of like style uh, and inspiration from, from seven samurai. Awesome. Yeah. The one thing that I took out of the Magnificent Seven is I like the theme song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, not Western, but it's also worth pointing out that um, that uh, Seven Samurai has also been uh, readapted in the East as well um, uh, by several Chinese and Korean films, as well as uh, uh, if anybody remembers the anime uh, Samurai Seven. Um, from the early 2000s. I never saw it. Yeah, neither um, did I. I kind of remember seeing the tapes at the yeah. Blockbuster or whatever, but yeah. Yeah. The character designs are really funky. Um, when I was um, Googling some of the characters in this movie, uh, some of their anime adaptations popped up and like, really, really interesting uh, the way Kikuchio is portrayed. He's basically got this giant uh, Kabuto armor and <laughs> mask. It's crazy. Oh, that's the thing I wanted to comment on, actually, was I loved how he had such a huge, super long sword. It was like mm-hmm. such a great uh, visual rep- representation of him kind of overcompensating. And that's yes. sort of like childish that uh, to bring it back to One Piece, as we do often, like the sort of Zorro, like, well, if two swords are good, three swords will be even better, like kind of mentality uh, that I think is so funny and also telling about a certain type of character. Yeah. Um, I, uh, oh, no, you go. I have a weird affinity for Nodachi's, the the long, uh, extra long type of 
mm-hmm. uh, katana um just in in video games and media and stuff i think they look cool but yeah it, i do something else i like that's less like thematic is having that gigantic sword gives toshiro mifune a lot of like stuff to do uh, <laughs> as an actor like just like busy work and stuff to do with his hands when he's not the focus of a scene and i i like its use as a prop throughout the movie mm-hmm. yeah a funny thing about about uh i think it's really interesting about kikuchio um is that uh so of course, I mentioned that the wakazashi is is a symbol that samurai are ready to give their life at a moment's notice. Uh, Kikuchu doesn't have one. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, he's famously in this movie not a samurai, but by the end, he he dies a samurai's death. So I think it's 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 very interesting that he like he clearly doesn't have one, but uh, in the end, he doesn't need one because uh, it's it's about your actions versus your symbols. Yeah. Yeah, something we didn't really talk about is the way he dies is uh, being outraged at uh, Kuzo, the 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 epitome of samurai, mm-hmm. being struck down by a gun. Yeah, mm-hmm. and just like his, his outrage at Kuzo dying this this death that is comparatively cowardly, um, and. Kikuchio being this like he's not a samurai but he kind of aspires to be and he's got in his head he seems to have a rivalry with Kuzo um doesn't and but clearly respects him in a in a some similar way that um Katsushiro does mm-hmm. and just like the the dynamic there right at the end of both their lives is is very thematically rich yeah definitely our friend uh grant from the blade looking thieves uh podcast had been recently had mentioned on twitter that um all of the samurai characters actually die by gun um in this movie which is interesting of the the hero samurai characters which i think is true i was trying to track it as i was watching it um i think haihachi gets shot in the back right yeah uh yeah haihachi gets Mm -hmm. shot in the back gorobe uh we, we hear the gunshot and then we see his dead body yeah um, we of course see Kuzo die, and we also see uh, Kikuchio die. So yeah, they're all they, yeah, all, all by gunshot. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Um, yeah, yeah. I, I do I do think that's that is. Uh, it's like it, modernity killing off the uh, yeah the the old ways, and kind Oof. of almost also saying like they're so good that the only way they could die is by the bad guys cheating. <laughs> you know, I mean, I yeah. Know. That also that death scene is is very like every death scene by the way uh i want to speak a little bit to the music the music really makes those moments um count um uh-huh. Hachi's i thought got a little lost until the funeral mm-hmm. um and uh but gorobe's death like has that like i think it had like a, like a coral uh like a little coral dirge and the the Kuzo's death, I think, is the most heartbreaking, just because of you know what you what you say. Uh, he doesn't die a, a samurai's death, um, and the music, uh, the music really swells at that point. Um, and uh, there's chaos. It's 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 like a tense moment. They think they've won, and like I, that's also a trope that I kind of enjoy 
mm-hmm. for dramatic flair, you know, ah, the gang think has, has, you know, they think they won and except one of them gets picked off at the end. Like, uh, Dragon Ball does this and the end of the <laughs> cell saga. <laughs> um, of course in Dragon Ball, nothing matters because Dragon Balls can bring people <laughs> back to life. So, um, but, uh, yeah, that, 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 that death scene in particular and, and Kikuchio's final moments are, God, they're so good. And I was rewatching the scene where, uh, Kikuchio, uh, like falls after, um, after killing the bandit leader and just the way the rain, um, the way the rain sort of flows off of him, uh, like it washes the mud off of him as well, mm-hmm. which I don't know if that's supposed to be intentional or not. Um, but I thought that was kind of, that was kind of cool too. Okay. Uh, the Takashi Shimura award for most memorable performance. Um, any of y'all want to start? Cause, uh, I've got mine loaded in the pocket, <laughs> but I, I would rather give a seed to either of you. Well, I mean, we have an opportunity here <laughs> to <laughs> actually give it to the man himself, uh, Takashi Shimura. It's true. Um, you know, he and Mifune are definitely standouts, obviously. Um, I kind of challenged myself to dig a little deeper, and I even wanted to kind of go outside the seven samurai themselves. And so I want to nominate uh, Bokuzen Hidari, who plays Yohei. Mm. Um the very upset villager who's upset all the time. <laughs> he, just, he has such a like good face and he, anytime he was in a scene, uh, as I'm always talking about, he's the, the character that I was drawn to the most to just kind of like fascinated with him. And I love that actor. I've seen it. We mentioned up top that he's been in a ton of stuff. He's in a lot of Taurus on movies and stuff. Um, and so I, uh, I love that guy and I thought he was very compelling. Yeah, he's really good. Um, for me, Takashi Shimura in this movie is really great. Uh, his, he shows a lot of range of emotion from, he first shows up. He's like this very kind of stern, serious looking guy, but you get brief glimpses of him being like silly and jovial, uh, especially with, uh, uh, Shichiroji mm-hmm. when he shows up but his his performance as good as it is isn't really like stand out to me so I, I'm not giving the Takashi Shimura award to Takashi Shimura in this instance <laughs> uh, I think it has to be Toshiro Mifune because mm-hmm. like it, this is just a huge breakout performance that he is like gnawing on the scenery he steals every scene that he is in um like i said even even the scenes where he's not talking he's just kind of like doing enough physical stuff with uh with his sword that he's taking some of the attention away and like he is just this kind of fireball through the movie both narratively and uh for the audience and I love it every step of the way. And he also, even though he is this like crazy man laughing constantly and taunting people all over the place, he does get to have that serious speech. We see a lot of range of emotion from him. He gets moments where he's instead of just acting crazy is like being intentionally silly in a fun way uh, that other people, other people appreciate. Uh, uh, another scene that I like a lot that we didn't talk about is when he runs off, uh, because, uh, Kizo comes back with a gun 
he gets jealous and wants to capture a gun himself. So he wanders off to the enemy camp on his own. Mm. And the scene there where he's like infiltrated the camp, uh, kills a guy and seals his like head guard and then uh, rolls up to a guy with a gun monitoring the villagers and they talk for a little bit before there's like comedy beats. Yeah. Once, once Mm -hmm. the, the bandit realizes that he's one of the samurai and runs off. And that scene is just like so goofy. I was like, this is like (laughs) anime humor. This is real, real goofy in like the best way. Um, and he just like, gets a lot out of that scene i love every time he's on screen it's like i can't stop watching him nice uh yeah um you had it right on uh i i was also going to give it to um mifune uh his magnanimous energy his little hops uh his improvised actions his swagger um uh, I love I love that he just throws himself into danger and just laughs about it. Um, uh, when they're shooting at the farmers, he does the, you know, he turns around and slaps his ass. Oh, my God. That's so good. Uh, <laughs> and then after he shoots, he's like, oh, like, like, <laughs> like he's still like he's like having fun uh, while also being moments away from from uh, potential death. Uh, he has these real Oscar moments, um, that impassioned speech that he gives, um, for the end of the first half, uh, that, that tearful speech. And when he rescues the child and breaks down that he was orphaned, like, uh, he, you were absolutely right. He steals every single scene that he is in. He is, um, he is fire. Like he is uh, fire incarnate on the screen. Um, uh, he's passionate, uh, he is uh, hilarious. Um, that scene, that particular scene, like where he, uh, that you mentioned where he, he poses as the bandit to, to get the other musket. Uh, and then you see his face when he realizes, um, because I did this, Yohei and Gorobe are now dead. Like, like these two people that I actually kind of cared about. Mm-hmm. And you, you sort of see his turn, uh, a little bit like he he becomes a little more more serious towards the end of the movie. Um, that fire is still there, but you know his reason for fighting has now changed. Um, yeah, I I give it to him too. But I I gotta say I've been thinking about like I I think it it's as a result of me writing notes until I fall asleep last night. <laughs> um, but I had like I just kept thinking about Kanbe, um, and uh and his little ticks. He's great. Um, how he like he scratched his head like he scratches his head or does this, you know, his newly shaved head. He does mm-hmm. this every once in a while. Like yeah, he rubs like, it. Yeah, he rubs his head. I don't know, like the way he carries himself, he is a little lighthearted. Um he's got like I I, I really love the fact that he just he shaves his top knot. And then that's the first thing you see in this movie when it comes to samurai. Just like there he is. This is the guy. Um, I wanted to talk about Shino for a moment. Um, I don't think that she gave a particularly amazing performance, but seeing as she is one of the only two women, like leading women in this film. Yeah. Um, it, it, she, she bears mentioning, I think. Yeah. Um, she goes pretty over the top, uh, in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. So I, you know, unfortunately there's not really a whole lot to say about the female characters in the movie. However, um, Rikichi's wife, uh, in the very little scene that she is in, uh, where the, uh, bandit, where they go and burn down the bandit headquarters and they see that she is in there. Like this entire scene has no dialogue in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, exactly due to everybody's just, uh, facial expressions and their actions, you know, exactly the context and er- everything that's going on. It's such a wonderful scene. Uh, she does not need to say anything in order to convey what she means. Um, and this goes for everybody in that scene too, Rikichi, Haihachi, uh, everybody like Mm -hmm. that scene is just a really great example of, of Kurosawa's ability to, uh, show, not tell. Yeah. Yeah. And, and when she turns around to walk back into that burning building, it is just heartbreaking. Yeah. Like that, (laughs) like that's a whole other story for another time, basically. Like it's, (laughs) it's like you get all the context that you need. Yeah. From just the emotion. She'd rather die. Like, that's crazy. Like it, it, you don't, you don't need, you don't need anything else from that scene. So I would say that, um, like, yeah, I, I wanted to bring her up just because she had a, I think a very powerful scene. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. So, uh, that does it for our main, our main categories. Uh, because this is such a, a monumentous episode and we're covering such, um, a milestone movie, uh, let's open up the mailbag um, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. see what we got from Twitter. Uh, Joey, do you want to take care of uh, it? Sure. No, I can open oh. it up. It doesn't, I don't think it matters too, too much. Uh, okay. I can just open up my notifications, do it to do. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Uh, <laughs> this is sort of a, sort of a lob, I guess. Uh, not too serious of a question, but do you think the movie would have improved with an eighth samurai added to appeal to teens? Maybe a vaping samurai. This is, uh, <laughs> this comes to us from at samurai flicks, David Carter. Um, yeah, definitely. I think that's, that's what it needed. I, I really was missing, uh, that teen <laughs> appeal. Yeah. Just going to digitally insert some sunglasses on Cuso to make them even cooler. <laughs> Could use more vaping. I think vaping or dabs. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh this uh question comes to us from uh Oily Whisper 68 Kilo. Um favorite derivative deriv- 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 favorite derivative takes on the Seven Samurai. Hmm. I guess a bug's life. That I just have a, a lot of kind of warm memories of seeing that when I was uh in high school, I think, and and realizing what it was and being like, wow, and, and it's got Dave Foley in it, so that's good. Yeah. Yeah, Bugs Life is probably my answer too. I haven't seen Wild Bunch. I want to now, and I don't really like Magnificent Seven very much. <laughs> yeah, I can't think of many off the top. Like I know I've seen tons of them, but I can't think of any standouts off the top of my head that really like I can call to mind. Even mm-hmm. I do. I do like. Um, I do like like that device used in stuff. Like you mentioned, the Mandalorian. Like I yeah. do love that. Um, I think maybe they did an Avatar. As well, I haven't rewatched Avatar in ages, but I seem to remember. <laughs> Seems likely. <laughs> yeah. Or, or Avatar in general is sort of like that, like just mm. it, just collecting characters to fight a larger battle. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh, this is. Uh, let's see. Uh, who's your favorite of the gang? This comes to us from uh, Turbo underscore Virgin underscore O One. The Shiver in the Pines. 
Uh, this time I really uh, kind of latched onto Shichiroji. Um, <laughs> I I think maybe because that guy's just such a kind of charismatic, fun actor, and he he has a smaller role in the movie, obviously, but uh, he's so fun, and I love that guy. In um, he was my favorite guy in uh, Autumn Afternoon, for sure. Um, and so I I remember just kind of like warm feelings about that actor. Uh, so I don't know. It's hard to pick a favorite. They're also like there's, uh, they all have great qualities. Uh, but he was the one that I kind of like liked more this time around than I did previously. Is maybe how I should put it. Um, yeah. Even though I don't think he's like I, I talked a lot about Shimura and Mifune. Shichiroji is my favorite as well. Uh, just because Daisuke Kato has that face that like when he smiles, it's like a light bulb just kind of brightening things up <laughs> yeah and, and yeah I, I just seeing him i immediately like thought back to him like tipsy marching around to the <laughs> to the naval song yeah and it's and nice like, to have him and shimura's kind of like friendship too like that's yeah a when, nice when he shows up and and kambe is like this guy <laughs> is just like <laughs> that relationship is really funny and feels lived in even though we get very little of it He's Krillin. He's his bald best friend. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, so I, uh, it's it's really hard because I I love aspects of all of these guys a whole lot. Like I mentioned, Kanbei. I love like, Kanbei a whole lot. I love Kikuchiyo a whole lot. Um, Kuzo is just the coolest. Yeah. Um, but speaking of uh, characters who, uh, when they smile, it's like a light bulb. Uh, Gorobe is my favorite. Um, mm, he barely, oh, nice. he, he doesn't, you know, he is well, a lot more prevalent in the first part of the movie, of course, because uh, he dies before the battle that um, he want, wanted to see play out uh, get started. Um, I don't know. I, I got really attached to Gorobe this time. He's just like, if I were, if I were any of them, I would be him. Like he's very <laughs> mellow and like chilled out and just in it for the curiosity. And, um, and he's an archer, which is cool. But, uh, uh, yeah, he, I don't know. I, I like that scene where they're talking about how like, Oh, Gorobe Katayama, that's a name fit for a giant. And, and he's like, yeah, <laughs> but you know, I'm not like that. <laughs> yeah. I liked, I really liked Gorobe, um, this time around, uh, you know, uh, apart from the obvious, you know, uh, the obvious ones that we mentioned. A straight uh, thought I had while kind of looking over the the characters uh, was that Kuzo was really reminding me of somebody. I was like, who is this reminding me of? And I realized I think it was David Carradine that I was kind of getting some yeah. vibes from him. Yeah. Yeah. It looks a lot like he's a, the, the very pronounced cheekbones. Yeah. Very, very, uh, and very slim face. Yeah. Uh, Shiver the Pines also asks, uh, how fun is it seeing so many Tohoyara regulars earlier in their careers? Uh, great. Yeah, that's really a fun thing about digging back, um, kind of moving forward and back through time with all these mm -hmm. picks uh, is that we get to kind of build up um, bigger familiarity with these actors and uh, it makes it more fun. Like we were just talking about Shichiroji, you know, it's, it's it makes it really fun to see them when you have the context of what they've done in other roles. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, one of, one of my favorite things about this podcast is, um, in a lot of Western media, I really gravitate to a bunch of character actors and like people, people who stand out with these small roles and are frequently like 
very funny. And so like getting familiarity with a bunch of Japanese character actors uh, has been a really rewarding experience through this podcast because yeah, anytime any of them show up, I just get excited. Yeah. You know, if I can toot this podcast's horn a little bit, considering it's our 50th uh, episode, I remember pretty early on getting a comment from somebody being like, I think it's cool that you cover so much about the individual cast members. A lot of podcasts don't do that. And um, that I think just came from us being interested in talking about them. Uh, But I think it does kind of enrich the experience. Yeah. I wanted to learn more about Japanese actors outside of Toshiro Mifune. And, Mm -hmm. and uh, I'm happy to say that like 50 episodes after, you know, uh, after our first episode, like I'm, uh, it feels cool to be so well-versed in this niche, uh, this niche pocket of, of, uh, of film. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, as far as the question goes, I think it's awesome. Um, it's sort of fitting that this is our 50th episode. Uh, it's almost like a reunion of, uh, of, uh, Japanese actors that we've covered on this show mm-hmm. uh, ver- versus just say like, Oh, cool to see so many of them younger and um, in, in weird walk on roles like uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> like that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like he plays a gourd in this movie, like <laughs> a literal gourd. He's just like in the background. Um, yeah. I, I think it's so cool uh, just because yeah, it, it, it feels more like a reunion than anything else. Um, it does. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, David Bednar, uh, gave us a, a bunch of really cool questions. Um, the coolest one I'll save for last. Um, but, uh, he says, are, are there any Jidai Geki or, or Chanbara tropes not included in Seven Samurai that you wish were included? Yeah, I saw this question beforehand and I kind of thought about it and I don't know that it necessarily needs it, but like when I was thinking about different, uh, tropes, uh, there isn't really much emphasis on the bad guys as characters. And so you don't get like a rival swordsman or anything like that. I definitely don't think the movie needs that, but Mm. if there is anything that it could be added, I think it would be maybe a little interesting to kind of learn more about the bandits and have maybe a strong character on their side or whatever. Yeah. The bandits I think are, Oh, go ahead. you You get just a little bit of flavor from the leader when he's like, Mm -hmm. I think at one point he threatens to kill anybody that runs away. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's really all the characterization you get from like or characterization you get on screen of them. But I don't. Th- that's not the story that they're trying to tell. It's right. more about the actual perseverance of the villagers and the samurai. Yeah, everything that you need to know about the bandits is already there. Um, the bandit leader has an eye patch though, which I think is really cool. He's a good uh, look and, and a good helmet too. Yeah, <laughs> it, it really. It, and as far as you know, Chambara tropes go, at least he's got the look down mm-hmm. for a like a, a big bad. Um, but everything you need to know about these bandits, you know, like the first line of the movie is, is "Oh, should we take this village too?" or is something akin to that. Like it already establishes that these guys have taken a bunch of villages. You know, mm-hmm. like that's. Uh, I think that's so cool that you don't need a whole lot. Uh, a whole lot of dialogue to know that these guys are bad news. Um, the, the, the intent of it is, uh, is a plus. Um, I kind of, 
Yeah, I kind of could have used a little more sword play, like one-on-one sword play, mm-hmm. which is why I really mm-hmm. like that scene with Kuzo. Because uh, I'm like, yeah, I love, I I really love one-on-one samurai yeah. battles. They're they're so cool and so personal. Uh, and I feel like this, I, I wanted to see more of that. But you know, when when it's a movie about strategizing against a gang of bandits, you know, I, I get it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, that said, I don't know if yeah, like this movie's long enough that I don't know, wouldn't know if I would add anything to it um, or take away anything either. Um, yeah, honestly, the one scene, the introductory scene with Kuzo is like enough Chanbara for this movie for me, since that's not really the focus of it. Yeah. Um, and it is a very good scene and we get the like slow fit. We actually get it twice because they, they do their first book in like honor match where they're not using real swords and we get that, which is pretty cool. But then like the much faster and more serious version afterwards and i think that like that that facing off and just standing there and maybe posturing a little bit or changing uh changing uh stances Mm -hmm. is most of what i want out of a chambara fight like occasionally we get like the the last zatoichi film we did watch somebody plowing through a bunch of nobodies um but yeah that standoff duel is like such a good one that that kind of sated me for the rest of the movie <laughs> yeah changing gears uh the uh as far as jidai geki tropes go i think that we've got our fill in this one uh it's particularly uh so when i told uh, bethany that i was watching seven samurai she's like wow a lot of crying in that movie um <laughs> <laughs> And that was, that's her big takeaway. Uh, that's funny. And I'm like, that's, yeah, that's, a, that's a Jidai Geki trope, actually. Like people in peril, a lot of, a lot of melodramatic crying. Yeah. I love it. I love the drama. Yeah. Um, uh, Bednar also asks, uh, Seven Samurai has been remade as cowboy, sci-fi, sci-fi cowboys and bugs. What is a setting you'd like to see Seven Samurai set in? Wow. That's a, that's a tongue twister. <laughs> I don't know. I don't really have one for this. It, it, there, it could be endless sort of, um, yeah. you know, uh, they've probably done this in the comics, but I would like to see the same crew that did, uh, the, the dread judge dread movie that came out a little while ago. Oh, man. Do a judge dread seven samurai. <laughs> oh my God. That'd be awesome. Nice. I'd love that. Or, or like, or the raid guy, like, it's mm. it's the raid but seven samurai so <laughs> more dudes <laughs> like that's that's basically it seven um, men hiding in the wall <laughs> that's right <laughs> um i think i'd like to see i'd like to i don't know like oh, i already saw it in the mandalorian i was gonna say like star wars but mm-hmm. like yeah we've already seen a little bit in the mandalorian and i'm i'm cool with that um yeah maybe something with a little more fantasy to it or something you know yeah maybe something with dragons or creatures or something Oh yeah, like a D and D type thing. Mm-hmm. Well, D and D is basically always like Seven Samurai. So you're usually like going through a dungeon, and or yeah, this would be like defending a village. Uh, which I don't know. V and I had a very catastrophic uh, failure of a campaign where we were supposed <laughs> to defend a village and it burned to the ground. But wow. oh well. <laughs> I mean, we defended the village okay once we got there. We just kind of slow rolled it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Um, speaking of, there's I've been trying to uh, in my one of my own D and D campaigns. I've been trying to think of uh, playing a, a siege defense thing, and this is definitely rich with tropes that I could borrow. Nice. Uh, so uh, our last, our finale, our last question from Bednar. Um, and this is a wonderful, wonderful one to close off our 50th episode with. Um, if you were to reassemble seven characters to defend a small peasant village out of any of the 50 Toho Yaro films you have reviewed so far, what team would you assemble? Yeah, man. <laughs> and it's one. a good thing we had this one ahead of time. Uh, <laughs> Because this one, I had to actually go back and and go through the movies and think about think about it a little a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Do either of you want to go first? I want to not go first. Okay, I'll okay. go first. Um, okay, so I just tried to kind of balance interesting different uh, character types and stuff, and also kind of considering getting like strong fighters or whatever. Uh, so first of all, I had to get uh, Mifune in there after all. And so I uh, start off with uh, Musashi Miyamoto, mm-hmm. uh, who I think would be uh, good, um, but a pretty different role. Uh, someone in a more similar role to him, uh, to his character in Seven Samurai, uh, would be Momojiro Hoshino from Chakiaro, <laughs> uh, I think would be powerful and uh, wild and good. Um, I also included Yuki from Lady Snowblood, uh, mm-hmm. who I think would be uh, awesome <laughs> as part of the team and uh, kind of uh, throw some different uh, gendered characters, which I think would be good. Um, I said Manji from Blade of the Immortal just because he's <laughs> uh, endlessly <laughs> uh, resilient and has cool power that would uh, and sort of fits in with this uh, time period. Uh, jumping outside the time period and pulling another woman in, uh, I would, of course, include Kung Fu from House. Um, un- unbeatable uh, in my awesome. in my mind. Um, I thought we needed kind of a solid dude, uh, a really good, dependable uh, man's man type of guy. So I want to include Shooting Star Kenji from Tokyo Drifter. Um, and then uh, finally, uh Perhaps not super helpful, but I thought would be a good addition to the cast is Beba 2 from uh, <laughs> <laughs> Message from Space. Because uh, how can you leave off if you're if you're assembling a, a Toho Yaro All Stars? I, I just couldn't leave off Beba. Ah, uh, yeah, Beba nearly made my list just because I thought it'd be funny. <laughs> my, my list almost got super wacky, um, and I thought about just making it nothing but swords, swordsmen or swords or mm-hmm. sword fighters. Um, mine's a little, okay. So I broke mine down by, uh, by category. Uh, I, I took all the, all the seven samurai that are in this movie and I, I focused them down to tropes. You have the experienced leader, uh, the bright eyed young gun, the comic relief, the reliable and tenacious one, the skilled and stoic master, the easygoing inquisitive one and the wild card. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, the experienced leader, um, I, I chose Goro from Tempopo. I thought that, oh, cool. uh, hmm. yeah, like I, I, well, I love, uh, I, I, I love, I love the actor so much and I, and that, God, that hard boiled fight, fist fight that he has with that guy, um, really, really, uh, really get me, um, for my bright eyed young gun, uh, Yuki Hirano from Woodjob. Oh, uh, interesting. Yeah. Like I, he's, 
you know, he's he's a little greener on the gills, but then he eventually comes into his own. I think he'd be a, a good addition. Uh, the comic relief, who wouldn't be much help at all um, until until when he's very needed, is Torasan. Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wasn't sure if that was a good idea putting him on the team. <laughs> no, this is actually like this is a pretty. I mean, I don't know about this team that I'm putting together. I just thought it'd be really fun. Uh, for my reliable and tenacious one, Ryoko Itakura from A Taxing Woman. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, she can get shit done. Um, for the skill and stoic master, I couldn't decide between two. Uh, I have Yuki from Lady Snowblood or uh-huh. um, Zatoichi from Zatoichi. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for the easygoing inquisitive one, Kurosame Hada from Sharkskin Man and Peach Hip Girl. Cool. Uh, I thought that he'd be a really cool guy to have. Um, so for the wild card, uh, Momojiro came to my mind first. Nice. Like, mm-hmm. I'm like, I have to have him on, on the team. Um, he could also be subbed out for Ichiko from Kamikaze Girls. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. uh, also, uh, I, I almost thought about putting Godzilla <laughs> as a wild card. Like, I, I just thought, I don't know. I thought it'd be really, really crazy. Yeah. But uh, but I think yeah that's that's generally my list. I, I thought that was this was a fun one. Uh, how about you, V? Uh, there's some impressive overlap here because uh, when I was first looking through this, I was like, man, we could just like make a super team of incredible badass, um, yeah, samurai and fighters. Now I decided to take a slightly different tack than that. I didn't look at specific character archetypes in quite the same way. Uh, that Alex did, but we do have some overlap. Uh, the first person that I wrote down is uh, Goro from Fish Story because oh, he's yeah. got that kind of like, I guess he, I've got a lot of wild cards here, but he's got he's, a lot of fire in him. Yeah. He's, he's got that anarchist punk attitude that I think you really need to have. Um, next on my list are uh, Ichiko and Momoko from from Kamikaze Girls because <laughs> they, they are proven brawlers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just also have that kind of like fuck you attitude. I will say I did consider the grandma from Kamikaze Carols as part of my team. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, uh, And then I I also had to include Toshiro Mifune, but uh, in the form of uh, Dr. Nido from Akahige. Oh, okay. Uh, Because you want to have you want to have somebody who knows what's up and you need you want to have a medic there. Yeah, that's, um, that's actually a really good point. <laughs> uh, and then also, uh, and then from Tom Popo, I also picked Goro, but also Piskin, just because like they're they're both that fight. Neither no, neither of them really wins. You want both of them to be there mm-hmm. on your team, just dishing it out. <laughs> uh, and then finally, for doing most of the heavy lifting, somebody that's really got uh, got some experience uh with with taking care of people abusing and exploiting a village uh and that's Daimajin. No. <laughs> oh yes. I, okay, I was going to bring this up when uh Alex mentioned uh Godzilla, but I was going to see who you if if you did include Daimajin's no good because you can't save the village. He destroys the entire village. Like. <laughs> you could just have a whole entire list of kaiju. <laughs> And and Ghidorah would count as three separate <laughs> ones. That's he gets a great the job list. done. He does. Yeah. It's true. It's true. 
There'd be a lot of cleaning up to do. (laughs) That's a great list. Um, Yeah, Goro uh, from from Fish Story, I definitely considered having on my list. Um, uh, As well as... uh, um, as well as Manji, um, mm-hmm. like I, I really like, as far as doctors go, uh, if there was like a doctor archetype, I probably would have gone Dr. Sarazawa. <laughs> <laughs> it's a different Very kind of choice. doctor. <laughs> yeah. Not, not the same. Or, um, I was thinking about, um, what's his face? Uh, uh, fucking cowboy guy from a uh, message from space. Oh yeah. Um, like I, I, he was he was definitely like in the running uh, when I was putting this list together. But yeah, what a what a crazy fun question. Yeah, yeah it, it was, was very fun good. to Thank kind you, of dude. reflect on the the past forty nine episodes. Yeah, um, speaking of reflecting, uh, any final thoughts on this movie or any of the last fifty movies that we've done? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm glad that we waited a bit. Um, I think those first. As with all podcasts, the first handful of episodes are kind of rough and I like the format that we have a lot more now. So I uh, think that we did good by this movie by waiting a bit and uh, covering it when we were good and ready. And um, yeah, and I'm looking forward to 50 more. Yeah, I I can't really say anything except I agree. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, well, very well said. Um, I... uh, I wanted to give this movie some like the, the justice it deserved just because of how revered it is. Um, and it's, uh, and it's, you know, it's, it's revered for a reason. I, and those reasons I, I gave, so I feel like I don't need to say anything <laughs> more on the subject. Um, so, uh, and I, I really, I've really enjoyed making this podcast. It's, I can't believe it's been four years and 50 movies. That's, uh, and I think we're going to get to, uh, if we keep this a uh, release schedule up, I think maybe we'll get to 50 a lot sooner. Um, yeah. 50 more a lot sooner. Uh, so, uh, so, shall we move on to what we're doing next episode? Uh, next episode, because we have already done my favorite Godzilla movie, we are doing my fec- second favorite Godzilla movie, Godzilla versus Megalon. Uh, get some good Megalon, Gigan, and jet jaguar action yeah and uh we will also have a special guest who is joining us also from my favorite godzilla movie the nasty man himself grant from blade looking thieves <laughs> who may may very well become our quote-unquote godzilla guy let's see <laughs> our yeah. godzilla specialist in yeah. residence <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. I uh yeah, we're um also, you know, we had just had Ed on pretty recently and we were crossing this milestone episode and so we were like, let's try to get more uh guests on. So over the next uh few months, uh maybe every other episode or so we're going to have some guests on. So look forward to that. Yeah. Uh well then, uh where can people find you on the internet? Uh uh People can find me on Twitter at Friskachat, V-R-I-S-K-A-C-H-A-T. Uh, I'm mostly posting right now about the hell world that we live in. Uh, Black Lives Matter, please support your local protests uh, and also donate to your local food banks for people still uh, out of work from coronavirus. Um, on a lighter note, please go watch Doro Hidoro on Netflix. Uh, I like it a lot and want people to watch it so we get more seasons. Um, 
because the first season it leaves off in a very frustrating place and I need more right now. <laughs> right. Uh, well, you can find me, of course, at Dude Exclamation on Twitter. You can listen to me on the One Piece podcast every week. Uh, go to Weep Simpsons on Twitter for some quality sh- uh, shit posting action if you like The Simpsons. And um, superartfight.com uh, or twitch.tv slash superartfight. We do stuff every Saturday. Um, whether it be live art competitions or Jackbox streams, it's all in good fun. And um, uh, yes, echoing uh, echoing these uh, sentiments, Black Lives Matter, um, uh, cops should be held accountable for their actions. Um, and please support your community and, and the protests as well. And uh, Joey. Uh, yeah, I'm at Joey Weiser on Twitter and Joey Weiser Comics on Instagram. Um, you can read uh, my comics, uh, the Merman graphic novel series and Ghost Hog um, digitally or uh, in book form. And uh, check out my new comic, Dino Town, uh, at Dino Town Comic, both on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, that's a weekly or so uh, kind of look at a peaceful uh, town full of dinosaurs. And it is speaking of uh, how rough everything has been it's um you know been kind of my way of uh getting a little uh kind of processing uh, where we're at and 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 thinking about what i love about uh being in a community and and uh, things like that um as far as the uh podcast uh uh you can follow us at toho yaro uh on twitter and like us on facebook although our facebook's been kind of dormant lately um, but you can still message us there if uh, that's how you would prefer to get in touch with us or email us to at gmail.com. Um, how about uh, sharing the show and letting people know? Like, uh, I think now that we have uh, such a big catalog um, of episodes and uh, that we've got this kind of newer, um, briefer format uh starting with the message from space episode onward uh, maybe let people know which episodes you like or uh, that you like the show in general uh, or sharing this uh, episode just being like hey seven samurai uh, you might have heard of that movie um, and uh, also uh, like us and uh, let's see what uh, subscribe rate and review that's what I was trying to <laughs> come up with yeah. uh, all the <laughs> podcast stuff that podcasts want you to do we want you to do it too uh, but we definitely appreciate your readership uh, or listenership and um, all the responses uh, uh, that folks are giving us uh, have been really great to hear. Um, and we'll catch you next time um, for Godzilla vs. Megalon. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.